Yo, welcome back to the podcast. This is Mark Mosley, and this is also another episode of Maybe We've Been Misinformed. Um, so the last two episodes I talked on tithing first and speaking in tongues on the second one. Um, today I think we will discuss salvation and what that looks like. Um, kind of bringing things, bringing up a conversation of like deliverance and when people say oh like once saved you're always saved and kind of want to dive into those because I feel like I've heard them so many times in my life and now that I'm studying them for you know what they actually are and not just based on some religious tradition you know they make complete sense but then that sense doesn't necessarily agree with how they were taught to me growing up or um, how they have been taught to me from other friends um, all over the world, you know, wherever they may be. But it's so interesting as to how we um, view salvation um, and then how we view how our lives will continue to go after we have been saved. Um, So, yeah, we're you know, we're diving in today. So I think one of the scriptures that I I will be starting with is Romans chapter 10, verses nine. And I mean, I, I love this because it's it just kind of gets straight to the point of, OK, what does what does me getting saved look like? You know, um, how do I start the quote unquote process of being saved? Right. So. Um, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 in the Amplifier reads, Because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's like, it's that simple, right? It's, it's a belief thing. You have to believe. And um, if I take you to Hebrews chapter um, 11 verse 1 and it says now faith is the assurance title deed confirmation of things hoped for divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen the conviction of their reality faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses so like this this verse is pretty amazing when you read it especially in the amplified version if you know me you know i love the amplified version i will tell any and everybody to read this version because i believe that it explains the verse now i've ran into quite a few people who's like oh it's just too much it, it means too much or it has too many words and it's like do you want to understand it or you just want to read it just to say you read it or something like that um and i, I think like sometimes i'm not going to say 100 percent of the time because i haven't read the Bible and the Amplified Version in its entirety, right? But I am saying that most times that I have read the Amplified Version, it leaves little room for different interpretation, right? Because typically, the words that you're reading are defined in the verse. Like you look at the parentheses or um, the brackets beside the statements or inside the statements, and you'll see the definition of the words. So I think it kind of limits that. Oh, I just think it means this because this is what I was feeling 
that Tuesday that I read this verse, like, no, it's kind of right here. Like, what is faith? Oh, faith is the thing is hoped for. It's like, all right, but you can read it in the Amplified version, and it will literally define what it's saying. So the way you're you're not having to be here confused, and you don't have to figure it out because it's already figured out for you, and you just read it, right? So this is what faith is, and so we all know that it is impossible to please God without faith. So we also know that um, it is not by works that you're saved. Let's read that too. I believe that's Ephesians chapter 2, um, verse 8. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith, through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved gracious gift of God. Verse nine, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. Oh, that's good stuff, right? So this whole thing is based on faith. And we just said what faith was. It's basically believing in something as a fact, even though you cannot experience it with your physical senses. I love that, right? And so this, when you apply grace to faith, and then boom, you get salvation, which is what we read in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. So the reason why I'm saying that this topic kind of brings in together with like deliverance and people who say once saved is always saved is I agree, especially with the once saved, always saved. Like, I think that when and when I say I agree, this is very specific. As you know, you know, you judge by every other word you say, right? Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. So when I'm saying this, I mean, like, it's so interesting when you read the Bible, because it's saying that you will be saved. And so this is what I'm saying, because I'm a, I'm going to explain this as best as I can. Right. So, like, you know, when when we're looking at the Bible and you're saying, OK, we'll be saved. So I'm a, I'm going to try to teach this the best way I know how. So when it's saying we'll be saved. Right now, you technically, technically, you are and are not, right? So if we apply that same concept of faith, which is you believe something to be a fact, even though your physical senses have not experienced it yet, right? So salvation is something that you have faith in. So you believe that you are saved up, past tense, right? But your physical senses have not experienced what that's actually like. So the belief part is what you do on a day to day basis, a moment to moment basis, if you will. Right. So on a moment to moment basis, you are living your life as though you have already transitioned over to the next life. Right. So then this brings up the point of the once saved, always saved. So technically, your physical senses, like based on physical senses, you are not saved because you don't have a new body. Right. Right. So 
But if you are, when you are saved and Jesus comes back the whole nine yards, right? Then you receive the new body. The physical senses part takes on what you are just simply believing in in this life. I know like it, it's it to me it's it's interesting, but this is what I I mean by that because I've had conversations with people and they be like, "Okay, well, you know, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. So there's no way you could leave." Now, it and I want to talk about what that sounds like cuz it sounds like that, you know, if you doggone sure want to leave, then you like God will make you stay saved. And that's not the case, right? Like we like, oh, no, he won't. You will ju- you will just want to It's like, no, nah, come on, man. We all have free will. So I want to take you to this, that verse that people bring up. And I, I mean, I love the verse. It's a great verse. Right. And it's Ephesians chapter one, verse 14. So or actually verse 13. And it says in the Amplified version in him, you also when you heard the word of truth. The good news of your salvation, there it goes, that word again, and as a result believed in him, were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ, as owned and protected by God. Now, verse 14 is where it explains this stamp, right? This seal, this seal, man, because I love it, right? The, the Spirit is the guarantee the first installment, the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession, his believers, to the praise of his glory. Look at that, right? So the Holy Spirit, you being sealed or stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, right? You've been stamped with that. That is just the first installment, the pledge. So it's not the complete, it's not, right, because it's saying the pledge, a foretaste of our inheritance. So it's giving you the first installment of your complete inheritance. So you can't sit here and say that you have the entire thing physically. So that's what I'm saying, physically, right? But if we look at this from a faith standpoint, You are to live your day-to-day life as though you already have this. So this is what we do, you know, on a, I keep saying the day-to-day basis is we live life based on having the, having the entire inheritance. We don't live like, oh, I don't have this yet. I don't have this. So I'm not going to do this. It's like, okay, I am going to do this because I have possession of it by faith. Mm, that's a bit different, right? So when someone says once saved, always saved, yes. Like, yes, when you have transitioned, when Jesus come back that second time and then he takes us up in the air, right? No, you won't leave because then your mind is completely made up and so forth and so on. Like you you fought the good fight of faith and now you've transitioned, right? So, yeah, I, I truly agree with that. Uh, I believe there's a scripture, I forget where it is, where it says that no one will be be able to pluck uh, them out of his hand, you know. And I'm like, okay, I get that. But that's actually when you've transitioned. Because if, and remember, I, I believe I said this in the first two episodes, is one, well, I didn't say it this way, but I will say it this way now, is that one thing that has kept me, um, I guess, faithful with, with God 
is that the Bible has not contra contradicted itself. I mean, for the past six, almost seven years that I've been like actually studying this thing kind of hardcore, it's never contradicted itself. Now, I've had debates about this with many, many, many people, but they fail to just like define the words that they're reading. It's always based off of how they feel about what's read or how they personally interpret what's read. And it's like, well, technically that doesn't contradict. You just think that it does. And it's not the same thing. But from reading that, like and knowing that the Bible does not contradict, then it's like, OK, if no one can be plucked away from God when they are saved, not when they will be saved, but when they are saved, no one can be taken away from God. Cool. Well, then when we go read um, Hebrews chapter six and we're looking at the peril of falling away, which is the title in the Amplified version. And it's like, OK, but how do you fall away from something that you don't have? Because that's what people say. It's like, oh, if they left the faith, they were never with us. It's like, OK, because I believe what's their first John two nineteen, And we'll we'll talk about that as well. But it's like reading Hebrews six and it's like, OK, if you read verse four and it's saying, for it is impossible to restore to repentance those who have once been enlightened spiritually and who have tasted and consciously experienced the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit. Like, look at that and, and go down to verse six and then have fallen away it is impossible to bring them again to, to repentance, again to repentance. Why would it say again if you never were saved in, at all? If you never believed at all that you were saved, why would it say bring you again? So then we, we come into the conversation of, okay, well, repentance is different than salvation. And one thing that I think that I have I have read over the years is I've never seen that difference, you know, like repentance. If I go to my concordance and I go to uh, let me find it. Hebrews chapter six, verse six and restore, renew them again unto come. Renew them again to repentance. So. When I have read like repentance in uh, what's that Matthew chapter four in verse 17, like I, because I believe Jesus was telling the people. Right. So from that, uh, Matthew chapter four, verse 17, from that time, Jesus began to pray and say, repent. Now, here's the brackets. And this is what explains basically salvation, if you ask me. So. All right. So let's try this. Matthew chapter four, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to pray and say, repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So basically, this is the definition of repentance, right? It's to change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your life. Like that's what we're supposed to be doing on a day to day basis, because that's what salvation will look like. 
like every single day on when you transition to the next life, you will be living God's purpose out for your life. Like guaranteed you will. So, but in this life, it's it's not that you won't have a choice in that life, but you've made the choice so consistently in this life that you you know, you carried on and you kept the faith so that way you may go over to the next life and not really have to worry about sin at all, which you technically don't now. And I got a few verses for that, too. But so we looked at repentance. And if we look at repentance, that's what you're supposed to be doing. And if you go to First John chapter two, and I believe it's 19. Um, I mean, we can start at verse 18. Children. It is the last hour, the end of this age. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempt to replace him. Even now, many Antichrists, false teachers have appeared, which confirms our belief that this is the last hour. Verse 19, they went out from us, seeming at first to be Christians, but they were not really of us because they were not truly born again and spiritually transformed. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out teaching false doctrine so that it would be clearly shown that none of them are of us. So now when I read this, this is what I get from it. And um, I've heard this be explained to me in different ways where people are like, OK, um, it is saying that it, if they were saved, then they would have remained saved and or at least a Christian at, at, at most, which I believe is a saved person. Right. So for me, when I'm reading this, I don't see it as. Them remaining as a Christian, because it does say that you can go like you can leave, you just cannot come back It what in Hebrews chapter six, verse four through six. Right. But it's saying that these people were already not a part of the faith. They were never a part. These people never believed. And so I truly think that the point of this chapter or especially this little excerpt in the chapter is to point out false teachers, not someone who definitely believes and then now does not want to believe because that doesn't necessarily make them a false teacher. That now just means that they do not believe anymore. I think that taking it a step further to call them a false teacher is if they begin to teach things like it's like when we speak on different pastors um, in Christian communities or different Christian communities and we're talking about them and we're like, oh, he's a false teacher. It's like, well, one, he hasn't said anything incorrect. He said stuff that you just don't agree with, like that's different or like a false prophet. It's like for one, this is not a prophet, man. Like, they'd be like, oh, Creflo Dollar's a false prophet. It's like, you know, does he consider himself a prophet? Does he hold the office of a prophet? Like, has he given any prophecies that have come incorrect or something? Like, they didn't happen? And it's like, well, no. And it's like, well, well how do you call him a false prophet then if he's not even acting in a prophetic way at all? And it's like we just use words because they kind of fit the narrative of where we're trying to go. But for me personally, when I'm reading First John 2 and 19, this is not someone who believed in the beginning. Clearly, it's not because it's like they only seemed to be Christians. But then in Hebrews chapter six, like they truly were. If even if you go to Second Thessalonians chapter two and I love this. Right. So 
when it's talking about Jesus coming back and, and this is basically what's going to occur before um, Jesus comes back. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. Right. And it says now in regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to meet him. We ask you, brothers and sisters, not this is verse two, not to be quickly unsettled or alarmed either by a so-called prophetic revelation of a spirit or a message or a letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. Verse three, let no one in any way deceive or entrap you for that day will not come. The day meaning the day that Jesus comes back unless the apostasy comes first. So in, in the brackets, it explains um, what the apostasy is, right? The apostasy is, or apostasy, whatever, however you want to say this, is that is the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. Like, I always ask this question, though, like, how can you leave something or abandon something that you never had? If you never had any faith, how can you then leave the faith? How can you abandon something you absolutely never had? So are we going to sit here and say that the common atheist in the world will abandon his faith? No, we wouldn't say that, right, because he never had the faith. But then if we talk about a person who actually has had the faith, then that's when we go to Hebrews chapter six. Because then we go there and it says that those who actually like repented and they leave and they fall away, then it is impossible for them to come back. So to say that once saved, always saved, then we're speaking in a present tense. It's like, no, like people can leave if they truly want to. The desire is that they do not do that. That's the desire is that they don't. So this is this is where we um, kind of meet that threshold. It's like, OK, I'm not preaching this message so that people can go out there and and say, hey, I don't want to believe anymore. This is for us who actually do believe. And it's like, hey, like we should go out here and, uh, you know, and keep everybody in good spirits and make sure we're helping each other out and being diligent. So that way that we don't want to go anywhere. We want to stay. But when I look around in, in different communities, it's like, man, I think people hate it here. And it's, but to me, it's like they don't really understand what they have. Right. We're still praying prayers like, you know, God, please help me. And that's cool. But it's like that. There's no thank you. There's no thank you. You know, prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving. There's no real thank you. Or if we're saying thank you, it's kind of just, you know, just to fill the air with words, really. It's not to say thank you for something. We're just saying thank you over and over and over again. But it's like thanking him for what? It's because most, not even most, what you've asked him for, and it, and you know that it's in his will, it's already been done. But we're sitting here asking for stuff that we already have. 
because the Bible saying you have not because you ask not. Well, they can't be the about the things that you actually already have. Like if you go to Second Peter chapter one verse three, and uh, yeah, um, for His divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. I love this verse because it's telling you the things you already have. He has given you absolutely everything for a dynamic spiritual life. But this is only you will only live a dynamic spiritual life through true and personal knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. That's the only time you will. Right. But then most of us aren't even studying to show ourselves approved. What's that? Second Timothy 2.15. We won't study to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. So then we don't know. And then we're not living a dynamic spiritual life. And then we're going to God like, hey, why is my life so hard? Well, let me take you to another verse. And see, you, you guys see what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep it to where, you know, we're only going by what the word says like it, you you won't just have to go off of what i'm saying sometimes i'll say hey i truly think this and when i'm saying that i have a verse i want to use a verse to explain what i'm thinking because i don't want it to just be oh this is just mark's opinion and his opinion is based on something outside of the bible it's like no i truly think that the bible is saying this because it said it <laughs> you know so you're saying like hey my life is hard you know, and you're lacking that personal, true knowledge um, of the one who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Right. Well, let me take you to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15 and the Amplified. And this says good understanding wins favor from others. But the way of the unfaithful is hard, like barren, dry soil. Ooh. Like, let me say that one more time, because I don't think it. It resonated with you on the first time. So, you know, I'm going to take you back and read it again. Proverbs 13 and 15. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 15. And the Amplified Version says, Good understanding wins favor from others, but the way of the unfaithful is hard, like barren, dry soil. So we're saying, hey, my life is hard. And God's like, well, that's because you're unfaithful. And so when I say that God's like this, because it's in the Bible, and I do believe that the words of the Bible are um, coming from God. I believe that if he was to tell you a story and it be uh, in the direction of the Bible, that the Bible would be it. So when I'm reading that, but then I go to verses like Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 29. And it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed, quiet for your souls. And I love verse 30, how he just ends the chapter, right? For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. So when we go to Proverbs, when you're unfaithful, life is hard. Right. But then when we come to Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, and you take his yoke upon you and you're only learning from him and you're only following Jesus, 
then his yoke is easy. So then your life should be easy, right? Right? So when he's telling you to have the same mind of Christ, if we go to Philippians chapter 4, um, I believe it is chapter 4. I might be incorrect. It might be chapter 2. Let's see. Yeah. So if we go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, and it says, have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. If we go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, and it says, whoever says he lives in Christ, that is, whoever says he has accepted him as God and Savior, ought as a moral obligation to walk and conduct himself just as he walked and conducted himself. So Jesus is not only saying, don't. Um, yeah, Jesus is not only saying, take my burden, take my yoke, because it's, it, this is easy, guys. Hey, 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 you over there that's being unfaithful. Hey, come over here. Be faithful because it's easy over here. When you are faithful to me, it's easy. But when you want to do really not even your own thing, because if you're stamped with the Holy Spirit, he wants to do what's right. So you're going against the, your nature now, your new nature is to do what's right. But you're saying, oh, my life is hard. Well, be faithful. Be faithful. Why can't we accept that accountability? We blame everything else. And this is why we allow ourselves to say once saved, always saved in this lifetime. Like, oh, no one can leave the faith because then there's no accountability. It's like, oh, if I want to go and do this, then I, I just can and I can say that I doubt God and I can't stand him sometimes and I really don't want to be a Christian and I don't want to be saved and I will still be saved. What? What? What sense does that make? We're like, oh, and God will keep me because he's just all loving and he's all powerful. And it's like, hey, man, you don't even want to be here like genuinely. Because we all say, you know, God knows my heart. And he's like, yeah, but your heart is saying you don't want to be here. <laughs> and I can't keep you, right? I can't just make you stay. You have to want to be here. You have to know what that means and say you want to be here. And it's really saying if you come over here and you just follow me, it'll be easy. Like it's literally, it's not Mark using these words easy and hard. The Bible is using the words easy and hard. You said your life was hard. I'm pretty sure you mean the same thing that the Bible is saying, right? And then you're going over to Matthew chapter 11, and it's also saying easy. Like, this literally can be easy. Now, see, when people say this, like, oh, you know, I go through I, I, I go through things, and, and life happens. It's like, right, right, same for me. But my life is still easy. If I'm to look at the grand scope of my entire life my life is definitely easy when i'm making decisions based on you know trying to be like jesus because that's what it says in first john 2 and 6 is that whoever lives in him should conduct themselves like him but then so when we don't conduct ourselves like jesus are we being faithful or unfaithful and then when we're being unfaithful and life sucks is that because the scripture is true or false? You know, just quick questions. Let you let you, you know, those rhetorical questions that let you debate in your head. Right. 
because I want people to be able to see that. Yes, when you transition, one save always said, I got that. You know, no one will, will pluck you out of his hand. That's what the word says, right? But while you're in this life, you need to be faithful. And that is what the um, the point of salvation is. Be faithful. Because you even have scriptures. So we just read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, right? That by grace, with faith, you are saved. By grace, with faith. But if we go to James, and I believe it is chapter, let's say, chapter 1. I want to go to chapter... Two, yeah, I'm gonna go to chapter two. So if we go to chapter two and we go down to I would say verse 14, where it talks about faith and works. So we just read, hey, all right, you have to basically um you have to have grace and faith to make this work. So it's not of your works that makes you saved, right? Because that's what the verse is saying. It's not your works that make you saved. And then so then we get in this conversation of Oh, it's not about works like there. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is believe, not knowing that belief causes you to do things. Like when you believe in something, you begin to do it. If you believe you want to be a better basketball player, you'll go out and you'll practice being a better basketball player. If you want to be a good person, if you want to start a business, you have to believe in it. And that's what will continue to have you wake up every morning and put that best foot forward towards that purpose and towards that goal. So when we come to the works, yes, you need, um, yes, works does not get you saved by themselves. It's like, oh, I'm just doing so good. And so I deserve to be saved. So look at this, right? So if we go to verse 14, it says, what is the benefit? And this is James chapter two, verse 14 in Amplified Version. What is the benefit, my fellow believers, if someone claims to have faith but has no good works as evidence? Can that kind of faith save him? No, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. Let me say that part again because that's in the brackets. I don't think people really care about the brackets, but the brackets is going to help us out today. No, a mere claim of faith is not sufficient. Genuine faith produces good works. So stop telling people that they don't need to be doing anything. If they don't believe, okay, them doing anything does not matter, right? But if you say you believe, that is merely a claim if you do not back it up with works. Because if you jump down to verse 17, so too, Faith, if it does not have works to back it up, is by itself dead and operative and ineffective. Look at this. Look at this. So you're you're saying that, oh, yes, I believe. And then you go down to verse 19 and it says, you believe that God is one. You do well to believe that the demons also believe that. That's crazy, right? It's like, <laughs> The Bible is comparing you who think that works don't matter with your faith. You compare it to to the demons. You don't want to be compared to that, right? 
So this back up your faith with good works. Good works, right? So good in and of itself. Not good just because, oh, you think you're doing a great job. But hey, it's like, hey, these things are actually good. And you know. So, but it's saying like, you need these things to back up your faith. And see, that's my whole point is not to preach a message or teach a message on, okay, once saved, I always say, no, not in this life. And it's like, no, I'm like, hey, you need to stay saved. It should be once saved, always saved. You who are listening to this, you should be saved the entire time because you continuously back up your faith with good works. That is the point. The point is not to make that, oh, because people have left the faith, then that just sucks for them. Like, hey, no, you who are staying in this fight, you need to continue to believe. That's the point, because that's the point of of Paul writing these things um, in Hebrews. It's like he's talking about the 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 perils of falling away so that you will stay. Not so that you will do this, because if you read Hebrews chapter six and verse nine, it says, but beloved, even though we speak to you in this way, we are convinced of better things concerning you better and the uh, end of things that accompany salvation. Like, look at this in verse 11. And we desire for each one of you to show the same diligence all the way through. Look at this. All the way through, so as to realize and enjoy the full assurance of hope unto the end. Like, this is it right here, right? So we're reading this, and God is is saying he wants you to stay. And again, when I'm saying God is saying, I'm going by what the Bible is saying. The Bible said that you they want you to stay through to the end. They want you to be diligent. They don't want you to be sluggish in your faith. That's, um, I want to say, verse 20, uh, verse 12, so that you will not be spiritually sluggish, but will instead be imitators of those who through faith lean on God with absolute trust and confidence in him and in his power. And by patient endurance, even when suffering, are now inheriting the promises. This just goes to show that the promises are there. That believing is 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 the big part because once you have genuine faith, you will have works. So you need to stay saved. But to do that, you need to have those works, man. You have to back it up. Because if you're just gonna sit here and try to do and and allow yourself to do everything wrong and think that you will remain saved, you gotta check that faith again. Because genuine faith in this in this grace that produces the salvation, it brings good works. So where are yours? So, yeah, when we're sitting here and we're saying that, hey, you know, once saved, always. Yes, it should be that way. It should be. And we as a Christian community need to get out more outside of the four walls more, even with a pandemic. We need to take the, the necessary precautions, if possible. But go out more to encourage our brothers and our sisters to just stay saved, not to put them down because they made a mistake. Because if if we go to first John chapter two, verse one, it says, my little children, believers. So this is talking to believers. 
I am writing to you these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the upright, the just one who confirm, conforms excuse me, to the Father's will in every way, purpose, thought, and action. So, yeah, people make mistakes. They do. But it's not the fact that you are thinking, I will make the mistakes. It's like, you might. You're not if, if you do, not when you do, if you do. There's a difference. We tend to interchange those. It's like, no, they don't need to be. Because when you do something, it's planned out. It's premeditated. You're already saying you will make mess up. And I'm sitting here saying, if you do. Because the Bible says, I am writing these things so that you will not do it. Hey, but if you do. So the expectation is that you will not sin. But if you do, you have an advocate. So this is the whole point. It's like, hey, I, I don't need to beat you over your head that you made mistakes in the past. Oh, you're about to leave the faith now. Good. No, like, no, I'm just telling you, man, if you say you believe, we need to see the good works. We need to see you studying to show yourself approved. As Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15 says, we need to see that of you. We want to see that because we know that, hey, that man right there is holding on. And that's where I will stop today <laughs> um, or with this episode. Um, you know me. I try to put out two, two a day or two on Sundays. Right. So um, but I, I do really hope that something is said to, you know, get those those thought processes going um, so you can make informed decisions. Um, and I really want to just slightly touch on the past two podcasts on tithing and um, speaking in tongues and I want to refer back to like the description that I that I typed out you know so eloquently right but what I'm saying is is none of what I'm going to say is to make someone do something because for one I cannot make you you know I'm, I'm a stickler on what words mean I can't make you do anything you know I just want to provide information that way you can make an informed decision like that's the one that you can make on your own is an informed decision. And I want to provide this side that I I don't personally, I don't think it's talked about much. I don't think that it's talked about that, hey, man, tithing is not a commandment in the New Testament. It's just not. Just because, you know, Matthew 23, 23 talks about it, it doesn't mean that it was commanded. Because then why does it come in the Bible and then say that the commands have changed? <laughs> so... But, you know, we've already already discussed that and I might go back over it. You never know. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want anybody to think that this is to tell them to stop. You better stop right now. It's like, no, I want you to be able to consider the information and make it an informed decision. Like, that's really all it is. Um, so with that being said, I truly do appreciate any of you who tune in today. Um, I always uh, I always appreciate that and I'm very blessed by that, even if it's just one listener, um, because I'm not doing this to, you know, to just rise up the ranks or, or something, so to speak. It's really just to put out good information that I believe will help people with their walks with Christ, um, especially for Christians and for those who may want to believe. And uh, rightfully so, we brought up Romans chapter 10, verse nine. 
So if you are listening and hey, you maybe are confused and don't know if you truly believe in God or not. And it's like, hey, I want to extend that to you and to read a verse like that and to understand that, you know, you can really read those things in that verse. Um, I would start at verse eight if I were you or just read the whole chapter. It might be it might bless you in that way. Right. But I want you to read those things. And if you truly believe, I truly think that something good will come of your life um, to believe those things. And maybe we can have a conversation about that. So, yeah, again, thanks for tuning in and hope you all have a great blessed day.